Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse number 4. It's good to see everyone in the house of the Lord. It's good to be with you this morning. And more importantly, we thank God for his presence. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse number 4. The word of the Lord says, For to him that is joined to all the, all the living, there is hope. Let me say that again. For to him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they shall die. But the dead know not anything, neither have they any more a reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Jesus, your word is living. Your word is truth. For in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Father, we call upon your great and majestic name this morning, that Lord, this day will not be a day where we will just go through our ritualistic things or go through the motions of, of, of what the church service entails. But Lord, I pray that the power of God will confront us today. The power of God will fall from heaven and move upon us and destroy the yoke of bondage. I pray today, Lord God, that every person will hear and respond in obedience to the word of God and that Lord you will give us an encounter with you that there will be a power that will shake us to our core that will cause us to move into a different dimension in you I pray that the gifts of the spirit will operate in this house today and that Lord the work of God will be done in this house today will you help us Lord for we oh God don't have what it takes but you are the all powerful God you are the all knowing God you are the all present God And we ask, oh God, that you will do what only you can do in this place today. Rain down from heaven upon us. I pray your anointing upon me, Lord God. I pray you'll anoint the hearing of every person, Lord God. And that, Lord, the spiritual works of the power of the Spirit will be done in this place this morning. Have your way, Lord, that we will not go back to where we came the same way, but that something will shift On the inside, something will be transformed on the inside. Something will be done in our heart today, Lord. We call upon your name, Jesus. We pray the power of God to move over us, to move upon us, to move in us. Will you save somebody today that they will be changed, Lord God? Will you move on somebody that they will repent of their sins and turn to you and surrender their life to you. We pray and ask all of these things in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Can somebody clap their hands unto the Lord? Can somebody lift their voice and let the Lord know what they think about Him? Jesus, you're amazing. You're wonderful. You're kind. You're holy. You're powerful. You're loving and kind and faithful. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. We're thankful and grateful to be a part of the kingdom. Oh, have your way, Jesus. Clap your hands all over this room and let the Lord know what you think about Him. Amen. You may be seated. 
I've entitled this message this morning, A Living Dog is Better Than a Dead Lion. A Living Dog is Better Than a Dead Lion. That is a very interesting topic to think about. A living dog is better than a dead lion. Listen to me carefully this morning. In this life, most of us strive to do the things we enjoy. For some of us, it's vacationing, mm -hmm. going to the beach, hiking into the mountains, traveling to new places. While we're doing that, some of us, some of us are enjoying the finest wines, cocktails, drinking the beer of our choice, or sipping on the finest liquors. Others like to dance and have a good time. Some like to enjoy nice dinners, go see a movie, and most like to indulge in intimate relations, if you know what I mean. For some of us, it's shopping. Getting dressed up and just hanging out, chilling. Some like to play with their toys. And Lord knows we have all different kind of toys. Uh -huh. Some of your toys are electronics. Some video games, cars. Some of you have drones. Fly around. But we got toys. And we like to play with them. As a matter of fact, we make bucket lists of things we like to do. And whenever we accomplish those things on the bucket list, we cross them off. Mm -hmm. We do these things because we enjoy them. We do these things because they make us feel good. Uh huh. And in some cases, it may be educational to travel. We know that one day we're going to die and leave this world and we won't be able to do these things anymore. Uh-huh. We know that. The life that we're living today is not forever. And so we try our best to do the things we enjoy. And everybody enjoys different things in this life. But we know that we won't always be here. I'll slip this in while I'm on that topic. Do you know that there will be no marriage relation in heaven? Well, you better have the best time you can now, because when you get there, you won't be able to have no intimate relations. So you better get married, and if you're married, you better make that marriage be good, because there will be no intimate relations in heaven. So if you're waiting to think that you're going to get to heaven, and there's going to be some intimate stuff, and some, some nice and, and kind things, and some holding the hands, and this my boo, and that's my honey, that won't happen in heaven. So it's incumbent upon you now to get married and enjoy marital relations. Don't let it be all crazy for you. Enjoy it. Uh-huh. So we do these things because we know we won't always be able to do them. When we die, there will be an end of all acquaintance with all the people who we love and enjoy. Mm -hmm. Our enjoyment will cease and our rewards will be no more when we die. We will be forgotten and our name will no longer be called. Hence, 
We try to enjoy this life the best we can. Life, this life. What I hope to impact or impart to you today is this. How to live instead of how to be dead. How to live as opposed to being dead. How to live as opposed to being dead. Uh Uh-huh. 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 I haven't moved off of that yet because it looked like we kind of dead right now. So I know I'm on track to talk about how to live as opposed to being dead. Mm -hmm. The first thing you must consider in this, the living, help us Holy Ghost, the living have choices to make. While the dead have no choice. You're living this morning. You're alive this morning. And it doesn't matter what your status is this morning. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life this morning. But as long as you're living, as long as you have breath, you have the opportunity to make choices. And so I'm here to tell you this morning, if we're going to live, if we're going to be who God wants us to be, it's not too late. You can make choices to live and not just be dead. By doing nothing, you're dead. The dead don't do anything. You ever been to a funeral and look in the casket? What are they doing? Exactly. So why am I going to be living and be like someone in the casket? I'm sorry, church, but I got to tell you, I'm, I want to live for God, and I want to be alive for God, and I want to do the things God wants me to do, and I refuse to make my life in Christ a life of just being a statue, a bump on the log, one in a casket. I want to be a person living for God, full of life, full of strength, full of energy, because I'm a living soul, I'm a living child of God. And I'm not one that is dead. I'm okay with that. And I'm going to live for Christ and not be dead. Anybody whipping this morning? Anybody alive this morning? Anybody trying to live this morning? Or you just rather be dead? Because if you're dead, you can't make any choice. If you're dead, your life is over. If you're dead, your destiny is over. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A living dog is better than a dead lion. We can choose to live for God or we can choose to live for self. If you live for God, you will be alive. If you live for self, you're a dead man walking. We can choose to live 
for God and not enjoy living for God. Or we can choose to live for God and enjoy living for God. I'm telling you this morning that I believe the church of the living God need to shake themselves and, and, and begin to take their rightful place in God and say, God, I'm not just living for you and keeping your commandments because I don't want to go to hell. I'm not just coming to church because I'm afraid of dying and going to hell. I'm not just getting involved with the work of the ministry because I'm, I'm scared. But I'm here, Lord, because I'm a living and breathing instrument of God. I'm not fearful of anything. I'm full of the power and I'm going to enjoy living for you. Somebody this morning need to get up and make a declaration that you're going to enjoy living for God and no longer are you going to sit here and just go through the motions and no longer are you just going to go and just be. But you're going to do because you're living for God. Can I ask this question? Don't lie. Don't lie. Don't lie. How many of you like to go to places and do things? Hang out. Partying. Just put your hand up. I'm not saying now. It could be before. Oh, my goodness. Woo! Trying to get undercover. All right. So, we like those things. Listen, church, don't let the devil keep his his thumb upon you where now you come into church and you're not enjoying living for God. Come on. I enjoyed living for self. I enjoyed living in the world. And now I refuse to be a child of God and not enjoy it. And God is calling us this morning to enjoy living for Him, to enjoy giving our life, to enjoy serving Him. We gotta enjoy ourselves. Man, we, we, we tricked ourselves before we got saved that what we were doing was enjoyable even though it was just hurting us. Yeah. We pretend we were enjoying ourselves in some instances. But I refuse to live for God and act like, oh my God, this is something else. Time to go to church. And I'm like, oh, man, I could just sleep in today. Yeah, we say that sometimes. Don't make it uh, strange or anything like that. Many times we wake up and say, I feel like I can just sleep in today. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But when you had something that you wanted to do, you didn't think about sleeping in. <laughs> don't get quiet on me. We, we, doing this, we in this together. Just Don't think I'm preaching at you. I'm preaching to myself, too. I'm not exempt. I'm walking in flesh just like you. And so many times when we decide that I really want to do this, let me give you an example. (laughs) Here's a good example. How many of you, when you have to catch a flight, especially early in the morning, sleep like a baby? Where's the hand? Got to catch a flight early in the morning and you sleep like a baby. Victor does. That's because he has you. He just probably knows you're going to get up so he can do that. He just gets up. Yeah. He probably just don't want to go to work. 
It's something because he got to fly to go to work sometimes, Victor. So so he probably just don't want to go to work. But most of the times when we have to fly, we're going to fly to do something pleasurable. And so because we want to go and do that nice thing that we want to do and the flight is 6 a.m., guess what? We barely sleep that night. You know, we're sleeping, but we're not really sleeping because we don't want to miss our flight because I'm getting ready to do something real pleasurable. Right. And so that's what we do. So the bottom line is we're on edge. So why you oversleep at church? Or why was it hard to wake up for church? <laughs> Sister Asker, she probably going to tell me, well, you know, pastor, you know, I'm pregnant now. <laughs> She's probably going to tell you, you know, I'm kind of pregnant now. So, you know, uh, some days is a little hard. Brother Isaiah, let me tell you a secret. Everybody going to hear the secret. Just get ready spiritually. When a woman have a baby, a Christian woman have a baby, she's going to fall off a little bit for a good while. This, this is real talk again. I, can't, I wish I could just not do real talk. I can't help myself. Real talk. But, but between, you know, the baby growing inside of her, delivering the baby, taking care of the baby, oh, you better bring the, you got to bring the smoke spiritually. So I'm just telling you, give her a pass for the next three years. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm just saying, brother. You know what I mean? That was for free. I'm just saying. About three years. Give her. Just don't. Yeah. Don't. Don't even get all worked up when you see. You didn't read your Bible this week. Don't get worked up about it. Just hold her hand and love her up and say, baby, you still look good. Please. Don't start getting spiritual on her. You don't understand. And I don't understand. That baby growing, delivering the baby, and have this baby now you gotta take care of? Oh, it have, it will work on your spiritual well-being. So she get a pass. And so when she can't wake up, you gotta wake her up soft. You can't wake her up. Get up, girl! You know it's church day! <laughs> we can choose to live for God the way we want to live for God. And I'm here to tell you, let's not live for God anymore being grievous. Let's not live for God anymore with a struggle. Let's not live for God anymore making it this hard thing to do. Because whatever you do all the time, it becomes easy. If you know anything about just repetition, the more you do something, the easier it becomes. It's hard for us to live for God because we don't do it regularly. We don't do it all the time. So when it's time to do it, it becomes a struggle. It becomes a challenge. But my friends, if we will live for God constantly without ceasing and with energy and cheerfulness, we will realize it's not as hard as you think. If you live for God easy, it will be hard. But if you live for God hard, it will be easy. That might go over your head. Uh huh. I was talking to someone the other day. They said it's because I was crazy, but I don't think I was crazy. I like, I like, I like, you know, movements and excitements. And some years ago, this is about 1999 or about 2000. I went to the dentist, 
and I had all four of my wisdom teeth pull out. They didn't put me under gas. They just numb up the gum, took them all out. I was bleeding up a storm. They gave me a whole bunch of gauze. Just you got to use these gauze all the time. They gave me pain pills, but I just I don't like stuff unless I got to take them. That was a Friday. We had a special service that Friday. I gauzed up and I was in the house of the Lord praising God. I love to praise his name. And I'm just having a good time, baby, with gauze in my mouth, not talking to anybody, just praising his name. Some thought I was crazy, and maybe I was. And there's a lot working there. One of the reasons why I did that, yes, I wanted, I was committed to God. But here is what I like. I like adventure. And, and, and I, be, I became adventurous in God. And so I, I'm walking around saying, well, God, you're a healer. And so I'm going in the house of the Lord. If something happens to me, you'll just have to heal me. And I'm trying God. I'm testing God. Because if, if, if I'm going to get, if something is going to happen to me, then God, you got it. And so I walked in, no problem. Nobody knew. Only my wife knew I had the, the, the surgery to take. And I just had a good time praising God. And I guess what? That's memory to say, hey, guess what? I'm going to live for God. I'm going to live for God on the edge. I'm going to live for God with all my heart. I'm going to live for God with all my mind. I'm not playing no games. Either I'm going to do it and enjoy it, or I'm going to do something else I enjoy. Woo! That's real talk right here you just got. I'm just going to do what I enjoy. And so if I'm going to live for God, I better enjoy it. I'm, I can't live in this world not enjoying myself. Uh, I got some people agreeing with me. We can't live in this world not enjoying ourselves. But the real and true way of enjoying yourself in this world is living for God. We got to figure out how to live for God, enjoying ourselves. We're making this thing like it's the most grievous thing that we can ever do. I know the Bible says, what did the Bible says? God loveth a cheerful giver. We can, we can take that a lot of different ways. We know it's talking about giving of, of your finances, of your resources. But also, can't we just look at it and say, he like, he love a cheerful giver, meaning you giving your service to him. Which means he's trying to say, whatever you do for me, don't be doing it like. I hate to use myself sometimes as an example, but since this is what I got, I'm going to tell you. So years ago, when my two oldest getting old enough, um, I cut the grass. I pushed the lawnmower, cutting the grass. And as they got older, I'm trying to get them to start cutting the grass too. So I said, let's take the chance of I won't let them cut the front yard because neighbors pass and they see it. I said, I don't want those guys messing up the front so I'll cut the front yard, and I'll let them cut the back. When they cut the back, there are areas that are not cut. There are dips in my grass where, you know, this part is cut lower than this part. It just was a mess when they cut the grass. I remember one day come home, 
and I saw one of them with the lawnmower. It's broken, Dad. It's not working. I went, pump it. What was I experiencing? They was doing something they did not want to do. And me being the dad that I am, some of you are different from me. I just said, forget it. Leave it alone. Don't do it. I'll do it myself. Some of you might have just made them do it. And, and, and maybe that's the better way. But, but, but me, I just don't, if you don't want to do something for me, don't do it. I need you to want to do it if you don't, because when I do something for you, I want to do it. If I'm doing something for you, you're not, you're going to say, man, yeah, because I want to do it. My wife said, I, 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 I'm extra. If I'm doing something for you, I'm going to do extra. I'm not just going to do the norm because I want to do it. So if we want to do it, we go the extra mile and we do it cheerfully. Well, God is expecting that kind of children. If we're going to serve Him, He don't want to serve Him having a hard time with it. Oh, God, I can't believe i got to clap my hands again. Oh, God, I can't believe it's Sunday already. Oh, God, I can't believe i got to stand again and sit again. I can't believe it. I believe the Lord can speak. He would just say, I sit down and do nothing. Because He knows you can't Profit anything if you do something without embracing it. You'll miss what was supposed to be a blessing from doing it if you don't do it right. And so, what am I trying to get you to understand? I'm trying to get you to understand it's time for us to start to serve the Lord with excitement and with cheerfulness and not be grievous and get involved and do the work of God and enjoy the things of God. And, 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 and not come because, boy, I want to go to heaven. You've heard me say this before and I'm going to say it again and I will continue to say it. If you're going to church, if you're trying to do the things of God because you want to get to heaven, you probably won't get to heaven. That's a fact. Because nobody can live their life trying to figure out what to do, what not to do, so they can get to heaven. Or so they can accomplish something. After a while, it's just, you get frustrated. After a while, you get fed up. God wants you to be in relationship with him. Because when you get into relationship with him, you don't even think about heaven. You get in relationship with God, you're not thinking about heaven. You in a marital relationship, you're not thinking about is she or is he coming home. Home is home. Help me, Jesus. If I'm in a relationship with Jesus, heaven is home. And I don't have to try and strive to get to heaven if me and Jesus is in a real relationship where I'm enjoying it. Heaven is home. I don't have to say, oh, I wish, I hope I get to heaven. I don't hope nothing. Just be in relationship with my daddy and serve him with cheerfulness. And heaven is home. I don't have to go around talking about, oh man, I don't want to be lost. That's the wrong way of 
serving or reaching for the Lord. I don't want to be lost. No. Get into a real relationship because that's what will make you serve Him with cheerfulness. That's what will make you embrace the commandments of God and do the things He says because you're in a relationship. I know a lot of us need to work on understanding good relationships. I know that's the issue. This is not the sermon for that. But here is what I will say. When you're in good relationship, ain't too much you ain't going to do for that person. And do it with a good attitude. Uh, brothers, you get a nice cooked meal and you get some good loving. Ain't too much you ain't going to do for that woman when she says, I want. It's fact. Don't get quiet. Real talk. My daughter know how to get stuff out of me right now at almost nine years old. And I know it, and it works. So let's just cut to the chase, as they say. We don't have to pretend. I know what she's doing, but it still works. Dad? Where is she? She's not in here. Oh, I'm not going to say anything. She in here. (laughs) Woo-wee! She know how to get her stuff! So you know what I know? You know what I learned from that? All you women know how to get what you want from the man. It ain't no secret. I know. You know how to do it. Please, you know how to do it. And, <laughs> and so you know how to get it. So, hey, hey, hey. So my point is, when you're in a relationship, you're not worrying about what you should or shouldn't do. When you're in a relationship, you're doing things because of the relationship, because of the person that you're in relationship with. And that's what God is wanting for us to be like and be involved with, is a relationship with Him that we don't have to worry about heaven. And we don't have to worry about, is He blessing me? And we don't worry about, is He going to protect me from this? No, just be in relationship with Him. And all the stuff that you think about, he will take care of. But when we, we have a right to question stuff sometimes. Because if you go to a regular relationship, if you ain't treating the sister right, or you ain't treating the brother right, you do guess about what you can expect, good or bad. You know when y'all not on good terms? know what I get out of him tonight. I don't know what I can get him to do. I don't know if he's going to pay for this. You know, on and on and on. Because the brother probably, you wasn't doing right, and the brother upset, and so you don't even want to go around him. Well, that's how we do Jesus. We know we, 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 we don't engage in relationship with him, and so we're afraid to ask. And then when we ask, we're not confident that Jesus will do it. Because why? We haven't been doing, living up to our end of the deal. So we go and ask him, Lord, um, I pray right now that you will do this, but you're not confident that he's going to do it. You're not confident he's going to do it. Why? Because you haven't been doing your part like any relationship if you in a regular relationship and you're not doing your part you're not confident that what you're trying to get you will receive in case you forget what i'm talking about today a living dog better than dead lion mm-hmm. there are two types of life that we need to understand two types of life there is life 
of the physical body, which enables us to live this natural carnal life. And then there is the spiritual life, which enables us to live spiritually. Remember I told you the Holy Ghost is the second breath of God. When God created Adam, he breathed into his nostril and he became a living soul. He was spiritual and fleshly at the same time. He had a physical body and he was spiritual at the same time. One breath of God and he was spiritual and he had life in his body at the same time. And so when he sinned by disobeying God's word, what happened is he died spiritually. So he was no longer spiritual. And physically, his body started decaying. Before he sinned, none of those things were happening. His body was not decaying, and he was spiritual and physical at the same time. Mm -hmm, that was Adam. But then he messed up. And so because he sinned and messed up, man became carnal, straight, just fleshly. Man was no longer spiritual. And in order to become spiritual, we needed the spirit of God. Very important to understand. So because of Adam's sin, we needed the second breath of God. God had to breathe again into us for us to become spiritual again. Oh, maybe I should have just left that alone. Uh-huh. So in order for us to be spiritual in this day, in this hour, we need the breath of God. So we can live two kind of lives. Either we're just going to live the, the physical carnal life because of just the breath being in our body, but we would be dead to spiritual things, or we can receive the breath of God and receive the Holy Ghost and have a spiritual life that we can live because that's the way we communicate with God is spiritually. All right, I'm going somewhere. I'm almost there. Both of this life came about because of the Almighty God. He was the one that gave us life. So if we ever want to know where life comes from, John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Remember, this keeps saying beginning. Don't mean God has a beginning. It means we have a beginning. And so it's the beginning of us people. God don't have a beginning, nor does he have an ending. And so it says the same was in the beginning with God. All things, not some things, all things were made by him. Is there any question there? Any, anyone? Not understanding that? All things were made by him. Not some things. Then it says, and without him was not anything made that was made. So it's safe to say he made everything. He made everything. And then verse 4 says, in him was life. If you go back to Genesis, you'll see. 
things only have life when they become connected to Jesus. Things can only receive life when Jesus give it life. You, there's no existence of life without the life giver, the one who is life. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So he is life. There is no life outside of Jesus. There's no life outside of him. So it's safe to say, if we are living disconnected from Jesus, we don't have life. If we are disconnected from him, we don't have life. Romans 8, verse 8 and 9 says, So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Talking about his church now. Talking about people that are saved. Because if you're saved, you should have the spirit of God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. So if the Spirit of God dwell in you, you are in the Spirit. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. When you are, are, you don't have the Spirit, you can't commune with God. When you don't have his Spirit, you, you can't, you can't have life. Because, because his spirit is what connects you to him. God is the spirit. And so, and so when you have his spirit, you're connected with him. When you don't have his spirit, you need to get connected with him. If we're going to have life, we have to be connected with the one who is life. As long as we're apart from the one who is life, we are like dead lions. We're conquering. We're roaring. We're moving about. But we're dead because we can't do nothing. But some of us would rather be dead lions. We just like to look good. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It is God's will that we live, That we, it is not God's will that we live according to our carnal ways. Uh-huh. If that was the case, if God wanted us, let me mess with you a little bit. If God wanted you to just enjoy yourself like we talked about earlier, take the vacations, Lay on the beach, do all of the good stuff you like, sip on your scotch, smoke a little weed, drink a little booze, do a little party. And if that's what God wanted for you, he would not have chased Adam and Eve out of the garden. He would have told them, stay right there and keep on rolling with the devil. If the Lord wanted you to just be on the beach, if the Lord wanted you to be in deception, if the Lord wanted you to just live for yourself, he would have left Adam and Eve in the garden because if they would have stayed in the garden, Josiah, they would have ate of the tree of life, which would mean they would be trapped in sin for the rest of their eternal life and couldn't be saved and would have to spend eternity in hell. 
Sometimes God does things and we think it's so bad. So when we read the Bible and it says God chased them out of the garden, guess what we do? Oh, what a God. God, you're mean. Why would you chase them out of the garden you prepared for them? And we don't even realize God is saying I love them so much that I'm going to chase them out of this garden. They will not be able to come back in this garden. You know why? Because the tree of life is in this garden. And if they come back in this garden and eat of the tree of life, they could never be delivered from sin. They would be trapped. In sin for all eternity. So if God wanted you to live the life. Enjoying yourself. Eating what you want. Because that's what happened in the garden. Disobey God and ate what he want. Not what God said to eat. And so. If you just want to. Do your thing. Then guess what. You're not going to be able to please God. God went through extreme lengths to make sure you and I would not live eternally in sin. But somehow we are resisting the opportunity or the offer that God is extending to us to keep on living to please ourselves. I don't even call it sin because you get offended when I call it sin because, you know, you're like, man, what, that ain't sin. <laughs> I, I've lived long enough, served God long enough to know when I say sin, people get uncomfortable. So what I'm going to say to you is you're living to enjoy and please yourself. You can't dispute that. Because whatever you do, most of the time, we read it at the beginning. We do it because we like it, how it feel. We enjoy it. And so that means you're living to please yourself. So I won't I won't say sin to you and make you get mad. I don't know I don't know why he calling me telling me I'm sinful. He probably sinned too. We live for ourselves. And when you live for yourself, you can't please God. How about that church? When you live for yourself, you can't please God. The Bible says no man can serve two masters. So you can't serve yourself and serve God. So anytime we decide we're going to live our life, this is just my life. This is just how I feel. I don't see what's wrong with this. <laughs> you know I'm telling you the truth. This is just how I feel. Pastor, preacher, brother. This is how I feel. I hear you. How about you tell that to Jesus? Don't tell me. I didn't die for you. He did. I didn't shed my blood for you. He did. My blood can't cleanse you. His blood can. So how about you tell him this is just how you feel because this is what you like to do. Because the bottom line is we either going to live for ourselves, or we're going to live for God. That's a choice to make today. Either you're going to live for yourself or you're going to live for God. Genesis chapter 322 through 24. And the Lord God said, behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. I didn't tell you crazy stuff. Word of God. If if Adam and Eve would have ate of the tree of life. They would live forever in sin. 
if you live forever in sin, you can't be with God forever. Because God, there is no sin in God. There is no sin where God is. So we can't have sin in our life and we can't be sinning and be with God. So God in his goodness to us, God in his mercy towards us, God in his grace towards us say, I got to kick them out of the garden before they eat the tree. Huh. I hear somebody mind thinking. This is interesting. This is interesting. This is interesting. Why didn't God just root the tree up, the tree of life? And get it out of there so they could never have access to it. And let me answer you. We're always trying to get God to do what we think he should do. As opposed to what God decides he's doing. And so we always want to think of the other way that he should have operated and not the way he did operate. And that's one of our problems. That's in the Holy Ghost. Yeah, we're always wanting to get God to do it the way we think he should do it. We, didn't, we don't like the way he did it. And there are people in here struggling today. Hear me clearly, Holy Ghost. There are people in here struggling with living for God because you don't like the way God does things. You're saying, yeah, that's cool, but why didn't he? Well, you're not God. You didn't create him. He created you. And so we, we, for us to think, why didn't he? You have not the capacity to even understand why didn't he if he decided to talk to you about it. And so we need to get over that and realize whatever God does, it's perfect. Whatever God does, it's righteous. Whatever God does, it's the way it ought to be. We struggle a lot with that. That's why some people have not totally surrendered to God because you're struggling with why he had to. You can question me all day long about why I do things. Please don't think that God, he will answer you sometimes if he wants to, but other times you just ignore you because he's probably saying you would not understand if I explained it to you anyway. But the bottom line is we can't expect God to do it our way. And then we end up not following him or serving him because we feel like, I don't agree with that way. Now, here's, here's the problem with that. He, he's got the power of your life in his hand. So you can, you can feel however you want, but he's got the power of your life in his hand. Not even Satan had the power of your life in his hand. Satan don't have no power over you. Satan don't control your life. God has the power of life in all his hand for all of us. And so we can't escape God. And so, unless they eat forever, verse 23 says, Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to kill the ground from, to, to till the ground from which he was taken. Verse 24, so he drove out the man and he was placed at the east and, and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and Turbims and flaming sword, which turn every way to keep the way of the tree of life. When I pray, 
and I come to your house and pray for your house or I pray for anything in your life, that's what I tell the Lord. I say, Lord, I know you're the great pretend, you're the great um, protector and keeper of all things. But, Lord, I read in the Bible where you set cherubims and angels with flaming swords of fire to defend and protect that tree of life. Now I pray, Lord, that you will send cherubims and angels all around this person's home and stand guard at every entranceway into that house that nothing will get inside because just like nobody was able to get back to the tree of life let no demon let no work of the enemy get into that house Lord or get into that situation we can pray those things because it's already written and it was done already oh help us I'm taking this thing down here and so a living dog is better than a dead lion The Lord Jesus has designed a plan to prevent us from living a carnal, sinful life, which will lead us to death and eternal punishment. But so many have ignored his plan and insist on living the carnal, sinful life that will lead to death and eternal punishment. Can I tell you this? We have not done a good job exploring the life in Christ, but we're complaining about it. You remember the example I gave you about taking out all four of my wisdom teeth and going to church? Exploration. I'm trying to see what God does and don't do. I'm trying to learn how God operates. These are the, this is why it's important. Church, take this suggestion or hear me out. You have to try some things in God to learn some things about God. We, we, we don't realize that we can't learn some things about God because we're not trying anything. We're just going through the routine of the tradition of what we do when we come together on Sundays. But when are we going to start to try some things and see? We will learn things that, okay, God don't work like that. Okay, God work like this. Because you're trying things. One of the things that I've learned... And so now I'm just totally over it. Oftentimes I would, whether it's usually on a Thursday, it's usually on a work day that I will, I will, I will be coming from work and you're kind of worn out from work and you're like, man, I wish I could just go home. But what I've learned over the years, years ago, so it don't bother me now is every time I felt like, man, I'm worn out today, I'm tired. Whenever I just cut, put one foot before the other and go into church, it just seemed like that day I experienced a powerful move of God's Spirit in my life. So every time I start to feel like, oh, I'm tired or, oh, I'm weary, I've learned over the years walking with God that that's the day God's going to do something fantastic. That's the day God's going to give me a spiritual breakthrough and encounter with Him. But I to try that to learn it can you imagine that if every time I had felt tired leaving work I decide I'm tired today I'm going home I would never learn that about God this is what I mean by we got to explore God we're not exploring the things of God so we can begin to know them and begin to enjoy them and then live for God in a way where it's exciting we got to explore the things of God Challenge yourself to say, man, I'm going to pray for 15 minutes every day for seven days and see what happens. 
exploring it. And so you're excited. I'm on day five. I can't wait. And you go and you pray 15 minutes and you realize, oh, I prayed 20 minutes. We got to start exploring the things of God. And then we will be able to live for God in a way that will be exciting. Listen. I thought about this this morning. (laughs) When you work a lot of hours at your job or your business, your company, whatever, when you work a lot of hours, there are two things why you work a lot of hours. You want to make some more money or you want a promotion. People just don't work extra hours and long hours at their jobs because they're just good workers. You work long hours, you put the time in because you make more money, you want a a, a promotion. Yes, there are people that do their job and they care about it, but you don't put the time in consistently a whole bunch of hours when you just care. All All I am, I just care. You may do that sometimes and here and there, but not all the time. But when you continuously put the work in the time in you're looking for a a promotion and you're looking for more money and here's how we take god for granted i want him to give me a promotion i want him to give me more money but i ain't putting no extra time in this is how we treat god your job don't care about you because when you move on, they get somebody else to take your place. Jesus loves you with an everlasting love. He gave his blood for you. He gave his life for you. He gave everything for you. And so you got to realize if you put extra time in, if you put a lot of work in, he's not going to leave you hanging. He's not going to just, just, just not give you more than you deserve. He's not that kind of God. But somehow we do him wrong by saying, why don't you give me extra? I don't, I, I, you know, I shouldn't have to do all that, but just give me extra. Sometimes I say, God, I'm sorry. I said, I'm sorry for me. And I'm sorry for people, how they treat you. Because we want extra from God. But we don't, that's the only place we think we're supposed to get extra without putting in any work. But every place else in our life, we know to get extra, we got to do extra. Many of us are worried about what people may say about us. Here you go. Living a life in Christ, but a living dog is better than a dead lion. A lot of us have not put in the effort, not only that we're not exploring, but we're worried about what people may say about us. Somebody say amen. You know you're worried about what people may say about it. We want to fit in. We want to fit in. We live in our life so we can fit in. 
We, we, we don't want to walk around and says Jesus is Lord or praise God. I love you, Jesus. We don't walk. We don't want to walk around and, 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 and say how we feel when other people are walking around and saying how they feel and doing what they want. And so we got to just just kind of, you know, act like, you know, we can't say what we want to say about our God and about what's going on in the kingdom of God. And so we're worried about our presentation. And it's unfortunate because this is what I want you to understand today. A living dog is better than a dead lion. Understand this. John, here's what I'm saying. If you're living for God, they may look at you as a dog, but you're a living dog. And they're dead lions. They might have the look. They may seem like they 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 they're the prowess. They are powerful. But the bottom line is they're dead. They have no hope and they have no future. And so why should we worry about what people with no hope and no future think about us when we have all the hope in the world? We have all the future at our at the palm of our hands. Why are we worrying about that? We have messed this thing up where we're worrying about people worrying about how we live for our God when we are the one that's in the position for eternal life and they're not. Why should I worry about them? Now, I'm not telling you to be mean. I'm not telling you to treat them wrong. I'm just telling you, start living your life for Christ. Start living your life for Christ with cheerfulness, with enjoyment, with excitement, and not worry about what anyone may think because they are the ones that's in the chair. Why are we afraid to speak about God? Why are we afraid to say the things of God and pray and do what we do when we're the ones that have the hope and have the future and the ones that don't are not connected to God have none? We got to stop it. We got to start living this thing with courage. We got to start living this thing with boldness. We got to start living this thing like we believe it, like we love it, or we better start living this thing as we're supposed to. We can't cower down. We can't be so timid. A living dog. Is better than dead lion. We got to realize that. The lion may be looked upon as noble, revered by most, look powerful and great. But if he is dead, what does it mean? And what we're choosing to do is look like a lion in this world. When spiritually, no life. Spiritually, no use. So all the people that are conquering this world, all the people that are sitting on top of this world, all the people that are financially secured and doing great things in this world, they're like lions. They're dead. They have no impact. And us, that look like we have nothing going on. It's all right because we're living. And every day, all day, living is better than dying. Because 
and, and, and let me be careful in how I say that. Because when we die in Christ, it's better than living here. All right? When we die in Christ, it's better than living here. So let me clarify that. But what I'm saying to you is, when you're dead, it's final. When you're dead, if you didn't choose Christ before you die, you can't choose him anymore. So, so, so for us, no matter what we get labeled as, if we are alive, I don't care how much you messed up and what sin you committed and how things went bad for you and what you got yourself into. If you're living and you are still in your right mind to know to choose Jesus, you're better off than all that came and left here and died without Christ. You're still better off. So you have this great opportunity today before you to choose life in Christ and not worry about the life outside of Christ because anything outside of Christ is dead. Can you understand that? Anything outside of it's it's life is in Christ and everything else is only going to have life when they're connected to the life. If we're not connected to Life, we don't have life. All right. If people want to consider, here, here is something that I wrote down because this is, this is interesting. If people want to consider a life in Christ beneath them, these are all things that I know have been thought about or have been said or that we struggle with. Listen to me. If people want to consider a life in Christ beneath them, it's for people who are undisciplined. You ever heard that? Glad you're in church. That's good that you're in church. It's good for you. Because what they're saying is you needed discipline. You weren't disciplined enough. So now when you get religion, religion disciplines you. I don't know if you heard that, but I'm telling you what some people think about Christ and you walking with Christ. They're saying, good, you're disciplined. It, it means we can trust you because you're in Christ. We can trust you. They're not thinking about anything else. They're just thinking about now you're disciplined. And so for some people, you living for Christ just means that you're disciplined now. They might can trust you a little bit better. But living for God is beneath them because they are already disciplined. They don't need discipline, so they're not living for Christ. Oh, you need it, but I'm okay. That's how some people look at it. They're living, they, they're letting you know, I wake up five every morning, I do this, I do this, I do this, I do this, by two o'clock my whole day is completed, I got this, then I got this, I am disciplined, look at what I own, look at what I have, look at what I've accomplished, I'm disciplined, so I'm good, but you, you don't have it together so much, so good that you have religion, I'm just telling you how people see this thing, good for you, you have religion, but that's beneath me, some people see it as embarrassing, Oh, I don't want to look different from everybody else. You don't want me to touch that. You don't want me to touch that because so many of you weren't about looking different. You don't want me to touch that. So you must be embarrassed if you don't want to look different. Don't let me go down that road. Oh, no. So, so it's embarrassing to you. Unfun- unfulfilling. Controlling. I ain't going to no church. That church going to control me. Tell me what to do. Ain't no church going to tell me what to do. 
remember what I told you. If Jesus Christ is the head of the church and the church is following the head of the church, it's not the church. It's Jesus telling you what to do. So if you don't want to be controlled by Jesus, just say it. I don't want to be controlled by Jesus. Cool. Then you'll be controlled by yourself. Some of us think that that living for God is just doggish. But can I tell you today, I'm okay with it. And I hope you're okay with all of what I just mentioned. Because living for God, living for God, being a living dog is better than being a dead lion any day. And it's time that we get our self-esteem up and start to live for God for real. Because it doesn't matter what anybody else say about you. If you're striving and living for God and they're not, your life is better off than theirs. It doesn't matter how it look. It doesn't matter what it look like. If you're living for God, your life is better than them. And it's time that you become confident in who you are in Christ and stand up and believe. You don't have to tell them your life is better than them. You just need to stand up and square your shoulders and act like you know who you are and that your life is much better off than if you weren't living for Christ. We gotta get there, church. That's where we need to be. We need to stop cowering down, be timid, and walk like we're people that have no future and have no hope. We gotta hold on to this thing and live it out with joyfulness, with cheerfulness. We gotta do it with a whole lot of fire and excitement. Stay to your feet with me. It's time. North America is getting ready to see what's been happening in the foreign countries. People being filled with the Holy Ghost will become something normal in North America. There was a time where people said talking with tongues is of the devil. Well, guess what? Nowadays, there are people that want the talking tongues. Nowadays, there are people that says, I want that Pentecostal experience. A long time ago, there were people that didn't clap their hands in church. There were people that didn't dance in church. There were people that didn't shout in church. But today, they're playing instruments. They're running the aisles. They're shouting and praising God because they came late to the party. But thank God they came to the party. Don't live this. Listen, they're trying to catch up with us. You are in this thing. People are trying to catch up with us that have a relationship with Christ that is living this thing the right way. They're trying to catch up with us. Don't you make this thing anything about worrying about what people think about you. If they want to call you or your your life in Christ doggish, oh, that's beneath me. Because that's how dogs get looked at, beneath, below people. If they want to call it that, let them call it that. Because you're smart to say in your mind now, when they try to treat you like you some outcast or like you don't mean anything, when they start acting like it or talking like it in your mind, a living dog is better than a dead lion. You walking around here like you got something going on, but I know you're a dead lion and I'm a living dog. My hope in Jesus is all sealed up and I don't know what's up with you, but you better come my way. We don't need to let people make us feel any kind of way anymore because our hope is in Jesus. Listen to me. Listen to me. You might want to write this down. You might want to put it on your refrigerator. Expectation is a self-fulfilling prophecy. 
expectation is a self-fulfilling prophecy. If your expectation is low, it will be low. It will fulfill itself. If your expectation is that you can't be more than what you are in Christ, then you'll be right there forever. If your expectation is, oh, I haven't even scratched the surface of who God called me to be, then you will know you haven't even scratched the surface to who God called you to be. And every day you wake up, you will wake up with expectation that I'm going someplace. If you have expectation that God has something more and greater for you, then every day you wake up, you're going to say God has something more and greater for me. I can't wait to see what God will do in me because there's more, there's more. There's more. Expectation is a self-fulfilling prophecy. And if we have great expectation from God, then great things will happen with us in God. But if you settle, if you just think that this is what it is, if you think the life that you're living is what it is and this is all it's going to be, then you're going to be frustrated. And you won't fulfill the, the, the purpose of God in your life. But if you will raise your expectation... If you will raise it and say, God, I'm raising my expectation. I'm raising my expectation. Can I tell you another thing? We need to create. You probably will never hear this again from another preacher. We need to create bucket list in Christ. Uh, three or four, three or four, three or four, three or four, three or four of you. Just tell me this. Why have we created bucket lists and it's all outside of Christ? Tell me, tell me what's that? Can we explain that? This hit me like a ton of bricks the other day that we, we have made bucket lists. Okay, I'm going to go to, one of, one of my bucket list items is I'm going to South Africa. Right? I'm going to go to South Africa one day. That, that's one of my bucket lists, right? One of my bucket lists is I want to go to Nigeria and I want to go to Kenya. Bucket list, right? Uh, maybe, um, one, I only want to go one place in Asia. So I'm just saying, we make these bucket lists and they don't include God. But let me tell you this. I had a bucket list in God before I had a bucket list of the things of this world. There's a conference within our organization called Because of the Times. Years ago, I heard about it. Only preachers can go to the Because of the Times. I said, I'm going one day. Guess what? I go to Because of the Times every year now. I made bucket lists in Christ. Oh, the UPCI General Conference is usually different places around the world, around the country at, you know, different time of the year. Oh, I've never been to a general conference. Guess what? Bucket list. I made sure I had to go to general conference. And I made bucket lists in Christ. And I'm still fulfilling bucket lists in Christ. Why not somebody say, I've never taught a Bible study from start to finish and watch somebody be converted. Well, make that a bucket list item in Christ. Oh, you got quiet on me. That's all right. That's why God gave, gave me to you. God, God gave you to me. Gave, gave me to you. I'm, I'm, I'm the gift that God gave you and, and I'm going to help you. Make a bucket list in Christ. I'm not telling you to not have a bucket list of, of the, the, the things of this world because there are great things that you want to learn about this world. So make that bucket list. I don't have a problem with that. But make sure you have a bucket list in Christ and that bucket list need to be better than the bucket list. You need to push harder for that one than the one that you created in the world. Because I tell you one good thing about it. The bucket list you make in the world is going to cost you money to do what you got to do. I'm not telling you the one in Christ is not going to cost you money. But the Lord will provide. 
You, you, you make a bucket list in, in this world, you might have to work overtime. You might have to sell a little something here, sell a little something there, do a little hustling so you can have money to pay for that trip. Because that South Africa trip costs them money. But the bottom line is, when you say, I want to do something for Christ, he make a way out of nowhere. And so we need to make bucket lists in Christ. Oh, God help us. How about we start to live for God joyfully? Can you imagine if you have a bucket list? At least one thing every year. You don't have to make it crazy. Just make one or two things every year. And you say, this year I'm going to do this in God because I've never done it. I'm going to go to this conference because I've never been there. I'm going to pray for somebody to the altar until they receive the Holy Ghost because I've never done that. Just keep making bucket lists of things that you want to accomplish in Christ. Here's a good bucket list one. You ready for this one? I've never given a thousand dollars in offering one time. Well, I figured you'll get quiet. It's okay. Bucket list. I'm just telling you, I'm giving you ideas of the, what the bucket list can consist of. Uh-huh. We ought to realize that God has been good to us. And it's no longer, God is getting ready to do some great things in North America. And the bottom line is, you are a part of that great thing that he's going to do. And so you need to start walking around and doing what you got to do. If you had not given your life to God, you need to just get over that and just go ahead and do it. I can't even put it no other way today. After today's message, if you had not given your life to the Lord, you need to just come up and say, I'm ready to get serious and give my life to God. Let me get baptized and get my sins washed away. I want to be filled with His Spirit. And I want to lead a life that is right and pleasing before God. I want to do great things. I want to be the one God used to reach my family. How about that's a bucket list? Man, oh man, oh man. We made bucket list item. I want to be the first one in my family to go to college. That's great. But what about the bucket list in Christ? Maybe you're a young person here. Maybe your bucket list item could be, I want to go to Bible college. You're the first one in your family to go to Bible college. What about that? We made bucket lists for all the other stuff, but we don't make bucket lists for Christ. Nothing wrong with saying, let me be the first one in my family to go to Bible college and graduate Bible college. Let me be the first one in my family to be a preacher. What about that? Let me be the first one in my family to be a missionary and to go overseas and preach the gospel. What about that? But we'd rather just make this life living for Christ all grievous and difficult and hard. Somebody help me today. God wants to work in your life. God wants to help you so today you can make a turnaround. I believe today strongly that God is going to do something if you will trust him today. If you'll step out on faith today and believe God. If you will just just give your heart and your mind to God today. Give your soul and sincerely pray. I believe God is going to change something in you and transform your life. How about we lift our hands right now and go before the Lord and give ourselves to him. I believe God wants to do something in your life. I believe God wants to change you. 
you and transform you. I believe God wants you to see how living for him can be joyous. I believe God wants you to see how living for him cheerfully will be a blessing. How living for him can be an adventure. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for each and every person in this congregation, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that they will have and they will experience, oh God, living for you in a different dimension than they've ever lived for you. I pray faith will increase in their life, oh God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that they will be Begin to take steps of faith, Lord God. Steps of faith, Lord God. And that, Lord Jesus, they will begin to embrace walking with you as an adventure, Lord God. I pray today for boldness and courage, oh God, upon and in the heart of every person in this room. That they will become courageous. That they will be all strong and do the work of God. That they will do exploits. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that today day, Lord God, somebody will walk out of this room change. If you're not filled with the Spirit, you can lift your hands right now and pray and worship the Lord and give Him honor and praise and God will fill you with His Spirit because God wants you to enjoy that life, that abundant life. God wants you to enjoy a life in Him that you've never experienced and enjoyed. God wants you to enjoy it. And so today, won't you lift your hands why don't you lift your voice? Why don't you project your voice unto the Lord? Why don't you take it into a different dimension today? How you worship Him? How you praise Him? How you lift up His name? Why don't you do it different today? Why don't you open up your mouth and speak the Word of God today? Why don't you open up your mouth and pray by faith today? And say, Jesus, will you have your way? Jesus, will you invade my heart? And transform my mind. Jesus, will you change me? And I will never be the same again. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I accept my life in you. And I want to experience a deeper. I want to explore a deeper relationship. I want to experience it, Lord God, with cheerfulness. With joy. Unspeakable joy. I release joy. In the heart of your people, I release joy in this house today that the joy of the Lord will be the strength of the people of God, of Christ-centered church. That the joy of the Lord will be their strength. That the joy of the Lord will overshadow them. That the joy of the Lord will lift them. That the joy of the Lord will make them inquisitive and search you out and seek you out. That the joy of the Lord will overshadow Overwhelm them. Overwhelm us, Lord God, that we can experience your joy. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray the joy of the Lord. I pray the strength of God upon this congregation. And that we will experience you in a different kind of way. That we will be motivated and driven by passion and faith to do the work of God. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you'll add to this church. Raise up people, Lord God, that will come alongside you and do your will, and do the will of God, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, we praise your name. Lord, we give you honor, we give you praise. We give you honor, we give you praise. There is none like you, Jesus. There is none like you.
Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, all over the sanctuary. Come and just lift our hands one more time. Let's just give the Lord a round of applause. Let's just thank the Lord for His goodness. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Amen, amen. We're going to bring our service to a close, but we just want to uh, put it out there to you that if you want to create a bucket list this morning, and one of the items that you should have in your list this morning, if you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, if you have never get baptized in Jesus' name. You know, one of my bucket lists, this morning I woke up and I got the pool. I went out to the pool. It was early this morning. And I was just vacuuming in the pool. I was just skimming the pool, you know, taking the leaves off. But if there is one person here this morning that is ready to get baptized in, in Jesus' name, we can baptize you today. You know, that should be a part of your bucket list that you should create it. That I, I, I want to be changed. I want to be different. I don't want to be the same anymore. You know, I want to make sure my life is right with God. Is there one person this morning that is ready to give their life to God this morning? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Uh, um, we're going to ask Ryan to... Ram? I want you to go work your way up to that.